Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We're glad you're here today. It's good to see everybody in God's house today gathered for worship, and we welcome you. Welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us. We're glad that you're here and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God. Let me remind everyone of our our attendance sheets this morning. They're, They're on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take those and fill them out so we could have a record of your attendance with us this morning. Uh, If you would do that, we would certainly appreciate it. And uh, by the way, welcome to 2016, a new year. Happy New Year to everyone. Um, We are, uh, since the new year has begun, we will resume our Wednesday night schedule. We took a couple of weeks off from, from our Wednesday night schedule during the holidays, but we will resume that beginning this week. We'll be having dinner Wednesday at 545, pulled pork, everybody likes that. And uh, then Bible study at 6.30. Hope you can join us for that. And then next evening we will begin volleyball on uh, Sunday evenings for a number of weeks. And, and uh, we invite you to come and be a part of that. That's always a lot of fun and fellowship. And, uh, and hope you can come and, and join us next week for volleyball. And also if you have not picked up your, your uh, uh, offering envelopes, your contribution envelopes. They are over here with your name on them, and so uh, stop by and pick them up before you leave today. It's good to be here with you and to share this time of worship and fellowship together. So let us all stand now and uh, give each other a New Year's wishes to one another in the name of Christ. Bless you. Let us all sing hymn number 334, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine.
please pray with me. Oh God, our mother, our father, our great parent, thank you for children. They are signs of your kingdom growing by leaps and bounds among us. With unconditional love, may we gather them into our circle. Let us, th- let us tell them your story again and again and again until they imagine it and paint it and sing it and act it and dance it and write it until it sinks deep into their bodies and spirits and voices. Forgive us, O oh God when we water down the gospel until you're just another grown-up to them who went about doing good long before they were born. Forgive us for telling them to be kind and loving without offering them the faith and the hope that they need to live life authentically in this world. And even as we try to shelter them from storms, help us to model the kind of compassion that enters into the pain of others. Let us nurture all that makes them precious gifts, daughters and sons made in the image of God. And above all, as we grow alongside our children, may our dependability and faithfulness show them that they can trust your tender love now and forever. Amen. Praise the Lord, both young men and ladies, old men and children. Let us praise the name of the Lord. For God's name alone is great. God's glory is above the earth and the heavens. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. And establish the work of our hands as a glorious sacrifice. And may your blessings fall upon us. That our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth, and that our daughters may be a cornerstone, polished like an adorned palace. When a child in the way he should go, and when she is old, she shall not turn from May the Lord's blessings fall. May God fill you with wisdom, and may you live out all your days in God's grace. May God's face shine upon us and give us peace.
I enjoy doing this part, reading the scripture. If you will follow along, the Gospel of Luke, verse 2, 41 through 52. Now every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. And when the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among the relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you with great anxiety. And he said to them, Well, why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. And then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. This is the word of the Lord. about that. I'm very excited. So can you guys tell me what we just celebrated? Yes. No, no more that. January 1st, yeah? Was a new year, right? So that was pretty recent, yeah? Maybe a few days ago. So what I wanted to show you guys today is this, right? What is this? Does anybody know? A calendar? A diary, yeah. So this was my calendar for last year. So what I put on here was things that I did for the day, things that I needed to do for the day, right? Do you guys do you guys have a calendar? Maybe you're too little for that, huh? Yeah. So let's talk about what 2016 is going to look like, right? What do you do? You guys know what a resolution is? Have you heard? That's kind of a big word for me, too. New Year's resolution. Can anybody tell me what that means? A resolution? Do you want me to get, Yeah? Yeah, that's 
that's a great goal, because soda is pretty bad for you. It tastes quite good, doesn't it? But that is a good goal, right? Can somebody else give me an example of a New Year's resolution that you have for this year? No, there's no wrong answer. Yes. Be nice to your sister. That's a good one. That's a good resolution to be kind to other people, because sometimes it's hard to when maybe we don't agree with them, right? And we live with them, so sometimes we get tired of them, right? But it's good to be kind always. Anybody else? Do you have one? No? You can tell me it's okay. You don't have to be shy. I can tell you one of mine. You want to hear one of mine? Okay. One of mine is to laugh more. Not be so serious. Yeah? But you guys want to hear something really awesome? That God has a resolution for us. God gave us that. The gift of every day. There's 365 days, right, in one year. Am I right? So for 2016, this is all filled up. These are 365 gifts that God gave me and he gave you in each one of these days. So let's just think about 2016. They're all blank spaces, right? So God's going to allow us to live those days as gifts, right? What do you guys think about that? God's promise for us is that he loves us. He's gonna, he gave you this day, right? You're breathing. You're here. Right? So that's a gift. Like, I know sometimes gifts seem like they can only be in material form, right? So like a doll. What's an, what's an example of another gift that you've been given for Christmas? I know you guys know what you got for Christmas. What? Video games? So that's a gift, right? Those are examples of gifts. But we also must remember that gifts, too, are also that God gave us life. We can breathe. We can sit here. We can see. Right? So maybe let's remember that as we live our year, we start our year and have our resolutions, let's remember that God loves us, and that's his resolution to us, is that he loves us so much. I can't even describe how much God loves us. You can't put it in words, you know? All right?
pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, may we always um, follow the light and the love of your Son, Jesus Christ. May you uh, guide us in these use of these tithes and offering, offerings and um, guide us as to how we best could use these. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jiga. How beautiful that is. Well, here we are, folks. Welcome to the first Sunday of the new year. Some of you have probably been working on your new year resolutions, as Katie was talking about a moment ago. On the other hand, it has been three days. So some of you have probably already given up on some of those new year's resolutions. I heard about uh, one poor guy who tried praying about his resolution, so he got down beside his, his bed and he knelt down and closed his eyes and folded his, his hands and he offered this earnest prayer. Lord, in 2016, my prayer for the new year is a fat bank account and a thin body. Please don't mix these up like you did last year. There's one conscientious man who kept a careful record of his past resolutions regarding dieting. 
in 2011, he said, I will get my weight below 180 pounds. In 2012, I will follow my new diet religiously until I get below 200 pounds. In 2013, I will develop a realistic attitude about my weight. In 2014, I will work out three times a week. And in 2015, I will try to drive past a gym at least once a week. Someone has said that a New Year's resolution is something that goes in one year and out the other. And someone else said, every year I make a resolution to change myself, and this year I'm making a resolution to be myself. Probably not a bad idea. If you, not, if you have made some resolutions this year, I trust that God will give you the grace to accomplish them. If not, I trust that God will give you the grace to accept yourself as you are and at least admire your consistency. But today, we want to talk about families. And probably, I, I probably don't have to tell you that having a family is a real challenge. One poor mom described the challenge uh, that she has keeping her house clean by saying that cleaning a house with kids around is like brushing your teeth with Oreos. And anyone who has had kids knows that she is right. Robert Orban says, Who can ever forget Winston Churchill's immortal words? We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. And then he says, it sounds exactly like our family vacation. And a man with four sons was asked, if you had it all to do over again, would you still have kids? And he said, yeah, sure, just not these four. It's tough having kids these days. Daniel Burris tells about a friend who was looking forward to a road trip with his wife and children. His kids were his children were getting older and he knew that vacations like this with them would soon be a thing of the past. And so he got them all together to drive across the country. And after they returned, Burris asked him how his trip went and his friend said, "Well, the trip was great. We really didn't talk that much though." And so Burris asked, well, how was that possible since you were all in the car together for days on end? And he explained, well, we all had our smartphones and our iPods, and so we were all listening to our own personalized music lists the whole time. How interesting, writes Burris. They had an opportunity to have a family conversation, to reconnect on a personal level, and even to play some driving games. But they didn't. It's almost like they took separate vacations. They just happened to do it together. Sometimes technology helps us to be connected. Sometimes it hinders Another phenomenon that experts are talking about these days is overly protective parents, so-called helicopter parents. You may have heard that term. Helicopters' parents constantly hover over their children, trying to solve all of their problems. Any problem that they have, the, the parent is there to step, step in and to resolve the issue. This trend has reached its peak in China. 
In fact, it is so bad that there's one Chinese university that has actually set up a dormitory for overly protective parents. I'm not kidding. The University of Wuhan now has so many anxious parents hanging around the university that the authorities have been forced to convert uh, the sports hall to allow the parents to sleep on the floor there. A, a, a university spokesman said they, they often can't accept the fact that their children have now left home and gone off to the university. Sometimes they move to the local area for months offering to cook and clean for their children and to keep an eye on them. And the university decided to act after finding some of the parents were actually sleeping in their children's dormitory with them, which the university decided was unacceptable. What do you think about that, Nathaniel? We're not so bad after all, are we? (laughs) Well, in today's lesson, we realize very quickly that Mary and Joseph were not helicopter parents. Today's lesson takes place when Jesus was 12 years old. He had traveled to Jerusalem with his parents for the Passover, and it's obvious that Mary and Joseph were devout people. We are told in our scripture for today that they made this pilgrimage every year. And the Passover festival lasted for eight days. But when they set off for their journey home, Mary and Joseph did not realize that Jesus was not with them until they had traveled for about a day. Now Luke doesn't tell us how Joseph and Mary might have left Jesus behind. But the tradition was to travel in large caravans with the women and the children in the front and the men in the back. And since Jesus was 12 years old, he was kind of in between. He could have gone either way. He could have been, uh, Joseph probably thought that he was with Mary and Mary probably thought that he was with Joseph. And he could have gone either way there. And so it was not that Mary and Joseph were careless or neglectful of their responsibilities. But it does prove that they were not the kind of parents who hovered over their son. But here's something that you may not have thought of. It appears that Jesus remained behind in Jerusalem deliberately. Luke tells us that Jesus stayed behind. It doesn't say that he was left behind or that he was forgotten. It says that he stayed behind as if it was a deliberate thing that he did. So as as traumatic as this might have been for Mary and Joseph, Jesus seemed to have had a purpose for staying in Jerusalem. But when Mary discovered that Joseph was no longer with them, she began to worry. Wouldn't you? Certainly. For a while, she thought that she had lost her son or, 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 or maybe he had been abducted. You know, those kinds of things go through your mind. And if you've ever had a child wander off while you're in a shopping mall or in a big store like that, you understand how she felt. But, of course, Jesus was 12 years old, which in that culture meant that he was nearly an adult, all, all, uh, ready to take on 
adult responsibilities. Now, in today's world, a 12-year-old, 12-year-olds don't face the challenges that children did back in those days. And, and so we can, we can allow them a little more time to grow up. But when Mary and Joseph discovered that Jesus was not with the caravan, they went back to Jerusalem. And after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them teach and asking them uh, questions. And it says that everyone who heard Jesus was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And Mary and Joseph saw him there. It says that they were astonished. Now that word astonished literally means that they were struck out of their senses. So it's not entirely in a positive manner. And what did Mary say? I love this. Child! Child! You ever heard that? Child! Why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been worried sick. You've heard that voice before, haven't you? Maybe you've used it before. You probably have. But Jesus' response was, Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house. But Luke tells us that they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then Luke continues, Jesus went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them, but his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with humankind. It seems that already at the age of 12, Jesus was aware of his special relationship with God. William Barclay uh, says, See how gently but very definitively Jesus takes the name Father away from Joseph and gives it to God. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? His statement to Mary confirmed that he knew what his mission was. And he thought that his parents should know as well. But they didn't understand. Nevertheless, Luke is careful to record that Jesus was obedient to Joseph and Mary. Despite his awareness of of his relationship with with his heavenly father, he was a dutiful son to his earthly parents as well. Or perhaps I should say, because of his relationship with his heavenly father, he was a dutiful son to his parents. I mean, after all, one of the Ten Commandments is honor your father and your mother. But it's important for us to note that even at the age of 12, Jesus was aware of his special relationship with God. And that should not surprise us. Some children have have a keen insight into what they want to do with their lives and early on in their lives. In his autobiography, Steve Jobs, the, the genius who guided Apple Computer to this, its status as one of the world's most successful companies, he wrote about his early fascination with computers. He said, I was 13 years old and I already knew what I wanted to do. 
That's not all that unusual. Some young people have a real grasp at an early age of, 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 of their life's vocation, what they want to do with their life. And then there are others of us, many of us, when we are 12 or 13 years old, we're kind of like that second grader who was asked by his teacher what he wanted to be when he grew up, and the boy shrugged and said, I don't even know what I want to be for Halloween yet. Some, some young people don't know what they want to be even when they graduate from college, even when they turn 30. Having some of us go all the way through our lives wondering if we chose the right vocation or not, and that's okay because life still seems to work out for us, doesn't it? But Jesus knew that he had a place. He, he was placed on this earth for a specific purpose. And he already sensed his connection with God. It's a special connection, even at the age of 12. And I think that that says a lot to us about Jesus. But I think it also says a lot to us about young people. You know, whenever a, a, a young person comes to me and asks about being baptized or joining the church or simply wants to talk to me about their faith in God, I listen very closely. And the reason I do is because I realize that a young person can be tuned into God at an early age. In fact, there's probably some of us adults here today, probably most of us adults here today, who remember our childhood as a time when we felt the closest to God. Maybe the intervening years have encrusted us with a a pseudo-sophistication about spiritual things that makes it more difficult for us to accept the wondrous presence of God in this world and in our lives the way we used to. Maybe that's what Jesus meant when he said that in order to receive the kingdom of God, you must become as a little child. You know, I hope that every one of our boys and girls feels the presence of God in their lives and I hope that every one of our boys and girls knows that in addition to a loving earthly mom and dad, that they also have a loving heavenly father who loves them more than they can even imagine. Already at the age of 12, Jesus was aware of his special relationship with the father. And I believe that that says something about Jesus. But I but I also believe that it says something about Mary and Joseph. It's no accident that Mary and Joseph were, were returning from eight days in Jerusalem where they were celebrating the Passover. And this is something that they did every single year. Now, they could have spent that time at the beach or maybe up in the mountains. They didn't have Disney World or, or, uh, or Six Flags back then. Life was hard in those days, especially for people who were on the lower rungs of society. So there wasn't much time for leisure and fun. And yet here they were devoting probably a couple of weeks of their lives, if you included travel time, to go to Jerusalem and take care of their religious responsibilities. Now let me ask you something. You think that made an impression on Jesus? I think it did. 
Now, I know that family time is becoming quite scarce in our society. It is harder and harder to carve out that time together. Dr. Richard Swenson writes in his book titled The Overload Syndrome that the average American work week now exceeds just about every other nation on the planet. Most homes are dual income with a combined total workload exceeding 90.5 hours per week, leaving very little time for family or religious activities. It's sad. I mean, think about it, folks. We Americans gave the world the term family values. But the truth is that in many ways we have the least family-friendly society in the world. So imagine the sacrifices that Mary and Joseph had to make in order to fulfill the demands of their religion. But they did so gladly. That's the kind of people they were. And I'm certain that 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 made a huge impact on Jesus. I always love the story about the little boy who was asked if he believed in God, and he answered, well, sure I do. And when he was asked why, he said, well, I guess it just kind of runs in the family. Does it run in your family? What's the real message that you're giving to your children about your priorities? Does God really come first in your life? Or is it soccer or baseball or music or academics? Are you the kind of parent who would never allow your child to miss a day of school but is quite casual about allowing that child to miss Sunday school? What's that saying to your children? You know, I appreciate something that Rose Kennedy once said. She's the uh, matriarch of the family that gave us President John F. Kennedy and his famous siblings. She said, whenever I held my newborn babe in my arms, I used to think that what I did and what I said to him would have an influence not only on him, but on everyone he meets, not for a day or a year, but for all time and for all eternity. What a challenge, she added, and what a joy. And my friends, it is a challenge and a joy. Mary and Joseph were not helicopter parents, but evidently they were attentive to their son's needs, and they set an exceptional example for him because they were devout people. They didn't always understand their son, just like parents today don't always understand their children or children don't always understand their parents. And I'm sure that sometimes it was kind of like brushing your teeth with Oreos. Like that one day that they discovered that he wasn't with them on their trip home from Jerusalem. But folks, listen to this. Mary and Joseph loved Jesus. And he loved them. And they brought him up to love God. And so it's no wonder at the age of 12 that he was aware that he had that special relationship with God. And here's my prayer. And here's my hope for all of us here today. 
I hope that your children, whatever their age may be, young or old, I hope that your children know too that they have a special relationship with God. May, that, may it be with all of our families during this year. May that be a resolution that with God's help we are all able to keep this year and each year. Amen. Let's stand together and sing our closing hymn, Oh, How I Love Jesus. And then that's what it's all about. You know, Jesus did what he did because he loved God so much. And Mary and Joseph did what they did because they loved God so much. And here we stand together singing and fellowshipping and doing what we do because we love God so much. Let us sing and let us celebrate. Oh, how I love Jesus. Now may God, who has begun a good work in you, continue to work God's perfect will in your life, even as God has promised, so that you may fulfill God's purpose with joy and have a sense of God's presence with you now and always. Amen. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, Rick. You did a great, you did a great job. And you looked fabulous while you were doing it. Yeah. <laughs> you not only done good work, you